Welcome to the Steadfast Carlsbad podcast. This morning's message was taken out of our 10 a.m. service. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. Thanks for tuning in. So uh, I would do a special message for Father's Day this morning. Uh, it seems like an opportunity, not just for like Hallmark cards, but to encourage dads. And obviously, that's only speaking to a percentage of the audience. Uh, so it's actually really about leadership. Uh, and so I've titled the message, Longing for Leadership. Um, and so uh, it starts with, with the home. We know this. And we know there's a really big attack on the home right now, especially dads. And this has been going on for a long time. Um, you know, a lot of times, I think I mentioned it last year, the Mother's Day messages are like, you're the most amazing people ever. You're so awesome. Like, mothers, you make the world go around. And it's like when it's Father's Day, you idiots, what are you doing? You know, like you get, get down and give me 50, you know, or whatever. You're blowing it. It's like, what is that? You know, is there room for improvement for fathers? Certainly as well as there is for mothers. And I think it's speaking to, you know, there's been an absence of fathers in a lot of homes, and we know that's an issue. But you're here right now. And so we're going to hopefully be, there's an encouragement in this. uh, And there's also a level of, um, I think we can all take something from this, understanding how important leadership is and how it's viewed from a biblical perspective. How do we see leadership? Let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for this time this morning. We thank you for each person that's gathered together here. We pray that you would uh, bless us, especially the dads, that there would be an encouragement for them to carry the torch and to um, lead well and to encourage well. And for all of us, we're all called to, in a sense, uh, if we're followers of Jesus, be those that are leading to him, leading people to him drawing people towards him, you know, encouraging people to go to you, Lord. So we, we're just, you know, that's, that's the point. We want to be part those people that are seeking you, that are bringing others to you. So we love you, Lord, and just praise you, God, and pray you'd speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you were at our men's breakfast a couple men's breakfasts ago, not this last one, but the one before, I read some stats, and they were from an article by Nick Cady. He's a Calvary Chapel pastor in um, Colorado, and he wrote an article titled, The Impact on Kids of Dad's Faith and Church Attendance. Um, And I was shocked by these stats. I've briefly mentioned them before. We'll, we'll run through them relatively quick here. Uh, but this is some really striking stuff when it has to do with dads and families. Um, according to the data collected by Promise Keepers and Baptist Press, if a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. A father does not, um, if a father does not go regularly, regardless of the mother does, between two-thirds and three-quarters of their children will attend church as adults. Uh, if a father attends regularly, church reg- irregularly, be, uh, between half and two-thirds of their kids will attend. Wait, did I say if a father does go regularly, regardless if the mother does, two-thirds will to three-quarters. Uh, if a father attends church irregularly, Uh, between half and two-thirds of the kids will attend church with some regularity as adults. Meaning, if you show up, good things happen. If a mother does not go to church, but a father does, a minimum of two-thirds of their children will end up attending church. 
In contrast, if a father does not go to church, but the mother does, on average, two-thirds of the children will not attend church. This is, these are stats, you know, like it's not just made up. Another survey found that if a child is the first person in a household to become a Christian, there is three, a 3.5% probability everyone else in the household will follow. If the mother is the first to become a Christian, there's a 70, or 17% probability everyone in the household will follow. However, when the father is first, there is a 93% probability everyone else in the household will follow. There's a point to these statistics. And I think there's a point to the attack on fathers. Men, you're called to lead. There's a, a God-given calling to men for men to lead. And men not taking a, that role has caused a lot of damage. Listen, we don't live in a perfect world, right? We're living in a, in a place where there's a lot of brokenness and there's a lot of people who do really bad things. And, and maybe you're a single mom and you're doing the best you can. God bless you for that. But that doesn't negate the fact that ideally men are stepping up into these positions. It's the way God set it up and it's the statistics do not lie. Men, you're needed, you're wanted, and you're called. But you need to make uh, the decision to fill the position. Um, John Maxwell has written a lot of books on leadership. Uh, his famous way of describing leadership is that of influence. Influence is, the, is what leadership is, influence. And so by that definition, Jesus had the greatest influence in three years of, of his teaching than anyone in the world really combined, right? We're still talking about the things that Jesus did. In three years, all that took place. And so when we're looking at influence and we're looking at leadership, we go no further than Jesus, a Messiah, um, yeah, leadership and ministry are, are best exemplified by him, both through, through his life, his death, and his resurrection, and are the basis of how we should value things that val are valuable, right? So that's why we look to him. He's, uh, and if we don't like choose to follow him, both in word and deed, meaning we listen to what's being said, but then that listening then turns into practice, what we're going to miss the point of what he's been trying to do. And what was, how did Jesus view leadership? Service, right? His whole life was service. What's he known for? Being the guy who was not getting his feet washed, but washing the feet of his disciples. He's giving life. He's the restorer of hope and purpose. He came to serve. He was obedient to the will of the Father to the point of death. In Matthew 20, we see a story that gives us a glimpse of Jesus' view of leadership. So Matthew 20, if you guys have your Bibles, open up to Matthew 20, verses 20 through 28. Otherwise, we have it on the screen here too. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. This is, this is mom looking out for her babies, you know. Hey, I, I don't know if anyone's asked yet or if those seats are taken, but I want to call shotgun on the two best seats here in heaven and let my babies get what they deserve, okay? What does Jesus say in, in verse 22? Jesus answered and said, 
you do not know what you ask. You have no idea what you're talking about. And he says, are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able. Of course, they had no idea what he was really talking about. Of course, there's the sacrifice of what he's going to do and the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. We've been talking about this in Hebrews that there's this, the, the blood offering is a covering. Uh, the, the, the day of atonement was about blood and covering. That Jesus is the ultimate blood and covering the Passover lamb of God that's, that has come to take away the sins of the world. Yeah, we have that, that image. But what he's talking about is, is going to be selflessness, serving, and suffering. Like you, you don't know what it means to lead in my kingdom. It means that there's going to be some pain involved. So Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. And they said, are you able to do this? We are able. Uh, they, verse 23. So he said to them, you will indeed drink of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. He's like, yeah, no, you guys, they you will experience what I'm talking about. You don't know yet, but it's coming. Um, but I, I'm, that's not my place. This is not what I'm here to do. And when the 10 heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers, naturally, right? Because you're like, all of a sudden hear like a private meeting where there's like these two guys and it's the mom is getting them into trouble here, really. It's like, hey, can, can my, my boy, he's sensitive to sitting far back from like the light. He needs to be up front. That's really important for him right now, okay? He needs that. And so can you hook my little babies up? And, and then the rest of the disciples are like, oh, come here. They're frustrated. They're upset with them. Like, what in the world are you doing? Like, you're trying to put yourself ahead of us. And this is the struggle of humanity. This is the thing that burns within all of us. I should be first. This is sin. This is the flesh. I deserve it more than you do. I'm better than you are. It's interesting, you, you coach all-stars, right? I'm, for baseball, I'm doing that right now. And everyone's baby's the best player in the league. How in the world could they not be batting first or third or fourth and playing shortstop? They're, they're, they're the best. They deserve only the best. But the other kids that also have parents that think their kids deserve the best, forget them. They need to learn humility. And they need to look at themselves in the mirror. And we're like, we could all get a mirror. We could all look in a mirror. We could all take some little bit of video of ourselves and see where we're really at. Or look at the stat book. That's what we're working with. That's, that's the natural inclination. So what is being requested of Jesus shows a lack of understanding of what the kingdom is really all about. But Jesus is going to make it real clear here what he came to do and what those who are great in his kingdom look like. But in the meantime, the 10 are not, they're not displeased. They're greatly displeased with the two brothers. Like, what are you guys doing? And so are we going to be your servants in heaven? You know, what makes you so great? Jesus is going to make it all make sense here. Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. 
and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. So what does Jesus say? I affirm you in the position you're in that you're acting just like the rest of the world. When you want to be served, there's nothing, that's the most common thing I've ever heard in my life. All those who are godless, they think they want the same exact thing. You're about the same thing. That's the business you're about. So you, you look at them and then you go, when they do get those positions of authority, a lot of times they get it by promising to be a servant. Oh, I'll be a, oh once I'm there, I'll be the leader that really takes care of my people. And you, once they get there, what do they do? Jesus tells us. They lord it over them and they exercise great authority over them. Like they, they abuse them by their power. Because as long as I'm getting mine, I don't care about any of you. And we can see that this is the way the world goes. And we can see it in the politics of the day, the politics of many days. If you're not focused on serving, what did JFK say? <laughs> he, he, had, he had that right. That's not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. The idea in that is service. How can I serve as opposed to like, Give me, what can I get? Give me, give me, give me. And then my goal is to get to a high enough position where I can get the highest, most give me's. And then I don't really care about the rest. Jesus is saying that is what is common to the world. That is what the Gentiles know. And so it, a lot of times when we're talking about even like male leadership, uh, which is, is throughout the Bible, especially as we look at marriage and it's, it's become very controversial because when we look at male leadership, we go, yeah, well, these men are saying, I am the man. Listen to me. I am ruling over you. You're not becoming submissive under me. We've missed the point. <laughs> this isn't the point. That's not what male leadership looks like, right? Because what, it, what are we told that the man's supposed to do? Love his wife like Christ loves the church, who is willing to die for the church, so the whole thing is based on what Jesus is about to drop right here. Yet it shall not be among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him become your servant. If you're seeking to really make gains and be effective and do really well in this world, you gotta be a servant. That's, that is the calling of leadership is service. Being a servant Whoever desires to become first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. This is why he came. This is what he did. So we have Jesus. We look at leadership and we think good leadership is at a premium. We're longing for good leadership. And so we say, if leadership has influenced John Maxwell, leadership guru, and Jesus influenced the most amount of people in the shortest amount of time. What's his secret? This man who was able to move the masses. What was his secret? Love people, serving people, on mission. Because you know, he says, this isn't mine to do. I'm on, I, the, all I'm here to do is to do the will of the Father. 
I'm here to do what he's called me to do. He understands. So there's also a, a position of following as you're being followed. Good leaders are led and allow themselves to be led. Bad leaders are the top and there's no one else around them anywhere. You can't learn from anyone because they're too stupid. They couldn't teach you anything. You know it all. That's, that's, this is like the words of a fool. Read, read through the Proverbs. Oh, I know, I know. Oh, I know, I know, I know. It's like, no. We, uh, good leaders are put themselves under other people's leadership and tutelage. This is, this is Matthew 28, the great discipleship. We're being discipled as we're discipling. We're making disciples. Disciples are making disciples. So it's like there's this constant thing where we're pouring in and, and then we're also being poured into. I mean, look at Jesus' life as he lived. Why do you think he spent so many hours in prayer? Why do you think he was up on the mountain? Why do you think he was up there like in the early hours in the morning pouring his heart out before the Father? Because he needed it. He needed it. And so he was leading other people to do what he was already doing because he was experiencing it in the, most, in the purest form of what it looks like to be human, fully reliant on God, trusting in him, full of obedience, a servant to all, submitted to the will of the Father, and the results are astounding. Throughout all the generations, people have tried to get rid of Jesus. They cannot do it. What, how in the world is that possible? This was not a, a fancy guy born in a palace who had all these riches, so he had like nowhere to like lay his head. He's like sleeping on the ground. Like what in the world is going on? Born in a manger? Died a religious zealot? You know, like what is this? Many people died that same death. Why are we still talking about him 2,000 years later? Because he, was, he exemplified what it looks like to be the, a redeemed second Adam. What man was supposed to be like. Of course, we'll never be Jesus, and we know that, so we're not, not claiming like that we're going to be exactly, but we have the same Holy Spirit living inside of us, and we have a calling to follow him. So we have this idea of what does it mean to be a leader? Jesus says, if you want to be great, then you're like, you're, you're not in. That's not what it's about. If you desire, desire to be first, let him be your slave. Uh, as a son of man did not come to serve, but to serve and gave his life a ransom for many. He came to serve. What's interesting is about the position of leadership is when leadership, I think a lot of times we view leadership as like a position you get to so you can just chill. If I can somehow get to that high enough position, I can just chill out. And then I won't have to do anything anymore. Maybe you work for these kind of people, Right? where they finally ascended to the top, they worked really hard, and then they got what they deserve, and then now they're not doing anything anymore. I'm good. I've reached the pinnacle, and now I can let everybody else do it. I read a book uh, for um, one of my classes, and I did it for a book report. It's called The Motive by Patrick Lencioni. And, um, and he's a leadership, another leadership guy, really interesting, but his whole premise was uh, that a CEO is not something that, a title, it's something that you do. And he's changed the word from chief executive officer to chief executing officer. 
And so he would ask, it's a fictional story, and he asked this guy, why do you want to be the CEO? And he's like, well, because I'm, you know, I'm motivated, and I've always wanted to be the best, and I've always wanted to do this thing. And he gets to the very top, and he's not good at being the CEO. And he's like, well, what are you doing? How are you viewing it? He was still operating like he was down here, although he was up here in a position. And he says, you can't be the CEO unless you're willing to do the job that no one else is able to do but you. Only you have the power to serve as the CEO, to serve your people as the one who's, who's running the whole thing. And we go, well, he, you know, he deserves to chill out. Well, then the business is going to fail. And you're putting pressure on people who aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Now, I know you're like, this, this is a secular book or example or whatever, but it's, it, it exemplifies exactly what Jesus is talking about. Whatever your position, especially if it's a position of leadership, we are called to serve from that place, not to abdicate the spot, not to leave it behind and, uh, and leave a void and a vacuum that, you know what happens when you leave a void in your life? It gets filled. And it always gets, almost always gets filled with something, it always gets filled with something you don't really want it to. And so by not knowing who we are or what we're called to, we're going to miss this. Headship is, is the idea of headship is it's not to be served, but to serve. What's the man supposed to do? Again, love his wife like Christ loved the church. Wash her with the word, love the family, be an example, serve, lead in following and loving Jesus. The mother wanted, uh, this mother wanted her sons to be in the place of being exalted and served. Uh, but Jesus says, this is where real impact comes from, serving. How do we do this? Matthew 16, starting verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Forever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Great question. What will a man give for exchange for his soul? I think we go, oh, nothing. We're well, like, mm, no. Sometimes there's a price tag and it's actually pretty cheap. Jesus says, if you really want to come after me, if you desire to follow me, Take up your cross. If you want to do, go where I'm going, take up your cross and follow me. So our initial calling is, is what? Like he offered to his disciples, follow me. You want to be a good leader? You want to look like Jesus? Init the, the immediate calling is follow me. We have to follow Jesus. That's how we do that. How do we look like Jesus? We hang out with him. We follow him. I have certain friends that Tori always makes fun of me. When I'm with certain friends, I start talking like them almost immediately. And she's like, you are hanging out with like IE friends. What is that voice? It's like, well, you know, I still got that, you know, like it's still in there. It's, I'm bilingual, okay? Uh, but it's, the, why, why is that? Why do, I, why do we know how to talk to each other and speak to each other and, and kind of have a different, it's because you, you know each other. You spend time with each other. You built up in a sense of vocabulary with each other. Maybe something other people do not understand. I, I think I found that that's the most evident in sisters. Sisters 
if you talk, you know, like sisters who are really tight, who knows what they're talking about? Like they like get, they can like, you know, read each other's minds and, and they like, they can go and it's like really interesting. Can any sisters who have a sister like that say, yeah, I understand. Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. I only had one sister and I'm not, so anyway. And me and my brother are like, dude, you wanna play Nintendo? Sure, don't cheat this time, you know, okay, whatever. Like you can cheat Nintendo. Um, but our, our initial following is, it, our call is literally just simply to follow him. And if we fail to follow him, not only is it gonna be like our ministry is messed up, but our, we're gonna have a distorted view of what a leader looks like. And we're gonna inherently take in from all the stuff we see around us. That's the biggest bummer. Is that like, if you are, we go, oh, I don't wanna be like the world. I don't wanna be like all the things I see out there and all the bad examples of leadership. But if you aren't focused on actually exposing yourself to what good leadership looks like, you're gonna do the same things. It's just natural. Like maybe you, you said, oh, I'll never, if your parents like, they have this thing and they're like, I'm never, don't do this. Or, or, or they like come down hard on this. You're like, I'll never do that. And all of a sudden you do it to your kids and you're like, where did that come from? It's because it's like, in a sense, we're living in a default culture. And my kids will do that about me. You know, I'm sure. I don't think I have it perfect. They've told me I don't, which is a good thing. And we acknowledge that. But a failure to follow Jesus, it will lead to obviously our ministries or our families having a, a thwarted ministry. It'll be, it'll be shortened. It'll be, it'll be void of all the power it could have, but it also leads to a distorted view of what a leader is supposed to look like. That's important for us to understand and what they're supposed to do, what a leader's supposed to do. And so to be a good leader, dads, and really this works for all of us, is to, have, is to guard your inner life with Jesus. Spend time with him, walk with him, talk with him, read the Bible, pray. Come to church, like make that a priority, right? We see the, how important that is for, the, for your kids. Literally, just doing these things is a bigger example than sending them to a million conferences, where they get up there and they see a guy who's talking about what it should look like to follow Jesus, but you're like, he probably doesn't either. This is a big thing, guys. When people know you're about it, they're willing to follow you. If they know that you're about the things, they're willing to follow you. So we have to protect our inner life our, like, our private life with Jesus, like our devotional life, our time spent with him, with like ferocity and diligence. Make that a priority if you want to see it happen in the next generation. Of course, that's the easiest place to neglect. You know, if you show up and, and uh, you neglect to do, you know, if Troy shows up and he doesn't have any songs for worship and he kind of goes freestyle and it's kumbaya, we're gonna go, what in the world is going on here? Like, he's not prepared. <laughs> but it's like, if you show up and not Troy or somebody else, let's say, you know, someone, say me, and I haven't had a private time with the Lord in like three years, but somehow you're really good shows, showman and you're really good at speaking, you can get by. But what's the result? 
That's, being, that's what's being passed on for, for your family and also for like the community. So if you want to be a leader, you've got to first be a follower of Jesus. And of course, the long, you know, if, you, if we neglect our spiritual disciplines and, and you know, our, our different ways of having an interpersonal life with Jesus, then there's going to be a fallout at some point, obviously. Not to say we don't all make mistakes in sin, we all do. But it's more than that. You find out it's like the tree's been hollowed out. You know, the bugs have eaten it all the way from the inside out. We don't want that. None of us want that. So we, we have an interpersonal life, and then we work out what God's doing in our life in community. That's what this is. We work this out in community with one another. This is where you bring up prayer requests. You say when you're struggling. You talk about what you're going through. And, and this is... I, I'm becoming more and more convinced that the church, what, this church, I don't know, the church, whatever. I'm not in charge of the church. This church, I think, we want to just continue to grow in being real with one another, where we're really at. It does no good to fake it. You go home and you're like, everything's great. And then you go home and you're like, I still feel nothing. Yeah, it's because there's no, there's, you, there was no real. There's nothing real. The thing about having an inner, inner walk with the Lord is you're constantly being conflicted. I can't tell you, especially recently, Sunday mornings, like there's been a battle going on with me. I walk around these chairs like Jericho and I blow trumpets and, you know. <laughs> but I just like walk around and there's like an element of like, like battle. There's like stuff going on. You feel like the spiritual battle going on. And so like to think that no one else is experiencing that, we are in some of the, in our lifetime, some of the most um, blatant spiritual battles that we've ever seen. It's becoming really obvious. And so we have to be very real about that with what's really going on in our lives. As we conceal everything, everything can go sideways. So we have a discipline in our life, and we work that out in community. And so we encourage one another to do it with, you know, we're all growing together. And in the meantime, we find out if our satisfaction is found in Christ or in something else. And that's something that becomes really obvious. If your satisfaction is found in worldly things, then you're never going to be pleased in Christ. And you're going to go, I never got what I was looking for. Well, you're looking for the wrong thing. I, tell, I, I think you're actually looking for something even better than what you think you're looking for. But we work that out in community. And so and we find out, you know, if we find out that our, our, our heart and our, our ambitions are in the wrong spot, what would be the result of that? It, it's going to end up where we are insecure leaders and we project and we start trying to make other people a better version of what we are now with no roadway to get there, with no path. And you want to know what that looks like, especially dads? Provoking your children to wrath. You're, you're expecting them to be something better than what you are right now? Like, what are you doing? Are, you, are we insane? You know what? We all do it. And partially it's because you go, well, I want... I want better for you than I had for me. 
And that's a good desire, but you should also want better for you now, right? That's what we should want and desire that. And then say, not like, look, this is where you're trying to go. You say, you come with me. You're going to come with me. We're going to do this together. That's what a servant leader looks like. That's what Jesus looked like. When he said, follow me, he didn't mean at a distance. He said, you guys are now in on my personal life. So much so, it's a little annoying that you didn't let me, you, you already knew I was up and you had a schedule plan for me and I'm praying up here. So just leave me alone for a second, please. Also, what's really wild is Jesus is constantly trying to get away from people. That's pretty wild too, you know? The, the idea, if we don't think we need silence and getting away and spending time with the Lord, we are crazy. He's like, leave me alone, please. And then they're like backing him up and he's like to the water and he's like, get a boat, get a boat, get a boat, get a boat. We need a boat. They can't all swim that far, you know? And he's ministering out of compassion, but then he goes off and he spends his time alone with the Lord. The outer ministry didn't take precedence to the inner life. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4 says, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, any, com any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, each, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. This is what it looks like for uh, a Christ-following believer to live like. And what's so funny is this sounds terrible from the outside. You mean to, to serve? You're like, you have no idea. that we, It's like when you do serve, that's what we always tell people, help out with VBS or youth or something, you know, whatever. It's actually really cool. Like you're really tired, but there's something really cool about serving and being tired for a good reason. And there's also something really cool about doing it together. You know, one of the bonds we formed is when we do mission trips. And, and one of our mission trips went horrifically wrong. I mean, like the worst it could possibly go. I remember one of the leaders saying, I was wondering if this is like a Jonah situation. We need to throw someone over the boat. <laughs> like this is, this is from bad to worse. We flew to London. Our, our goal was to get to Hungary. And then we were going to go to uh, Rome. So... Uh, our, our initial flight was to Philly and then we from Philadelphia over to, to London, Heathrow. There was a bomb threat at the airport. We ended up staying there for a day and a half in the airport along with a lot of other people. It was like 2004. So, you know, world's on high alert at that point. Uh, we're stuck there, just stuck. And like I had a whole box of Cliff Bars I had brought with me. I ate them all in that airport, I think in the first night. And then, you're, and then you're buying like eight pound, um, pound as in like money, um, whatever, tuna fish sandwiches or whatever you could get out of a vending machine. You're like, I'm going to be broke in a minute, you know, here. Oh, McDonald's. Oh, well, that's not that expensive. It's 10 bucks. No, it's 10 pounds, which is $20, you know, American at the time. Just worked. So we're stuck there. Eventually, we're, all of our flights keep getting canceled. We keep trying to get, get to hungry one way or another. Eventually, we uh, are, uh, get a flight to Vienna, 
and then we take a bus from Austria over to Hungary. Our luggage gets lost. No luggage, you know. And so uh, what are you going to do about that, you know? Well, you're going to do whatever you got to do, whatever you can do, and, and, you know, collect some, you know, personal wares from other countries. And so we did that. We eventually made it to Hungary, and then we made it to... It was like, it was just the whole thing was an absolute disaster from the beginning. And at the end of it, we had all prayed so many times, and to try to fix our budget, we had all eaten so many like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or Nutella on bread sandwiches or whatever. There was like a camaraderie of going through that stuff together. And we were still able to go out and serve. Why? Because that's why we were there. That was our purpose. And so when we all came home, we did, even though it was like one of the worst weeks ever, it was like one of the best weeks ever. Because we were serving Jesus and we were doing it together. You know? It's kind of simple when you think about it like that. And we go, man, I wish I would go on a mission trip again and be a servant, you know, and think about other people. And you're like, maybe, maybe in a couple years we'll go again. <laughs> Looking around, you're like, nah, I know these people too well. They don't deserve it. No, like that's what we're called into is to be servants. How do we do this? You know? I think about this with my kids and I'm, I'm trying to set up something right now with my son. He's 12 and I want to lead him into manhood well. I want to like show him away. I want to I bring him along. And so, so you know what my tendency is? To try to build the most perfect curriculum ever. To try to build the most, you know, think about every little element and thing and, you know, we'll do this and we'll do this and we'll do this and then we'll read these books and we'll meet like this and it'll be like this. And, and do you know what that ends up doing to me? I become paralyzed by so many things to figure out. And you know what ended up happening? We were driving to a game the other day and he starts asking me questions about all kinds of stuff. And we're just talking. And he says, dad, can we listen to a podcast about that? You were mentioning a podcast. I'm like, yeah, let's listen to that. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, we're doing it. It's simple things. So I think the important thing is that we have a goal in mind where we know where we're going, which is what? Holiness. You know, becoming more like Jesus, following him right? Growth, sanctification. So that's our goal. We want to become more like Jesus. We want our kids to do that too. But then it's really simple steps as we get there, as we go. Don't overthink it. Good leaders bring other leaders with them. I remember my, my friend Greg Opine from Hungary he always had people with him everywhere he'd go. He's like, oh, he's like, oh bring this guy. I brought this guy. I brought this guy. And I'm like, really? Okay. All right, cool. All right, cool. I remember uh, I had brought, because Chris Price was like, I, I want to be a pastor. Remember, he was here. And I said, Chris, come with me. I'm speaking at a men's thing. Or come with me. I'm going to speak at the packing house. Or come with me. And he, and he like remembers those times. And he's like, that was so awesome. You brought me. I was like, I forgot we even did that to some extent, right? And you're like, well, it's like, bring it along. Come along. Let's go. Let's do this thing together. You're part of this with me. So dads, bring your kids with you. No, what does that mean? That means you actually need to be going that direction and then you invite them in on the process. Now, what does the process look like? The process doesn't look like it's all perfect. The process looks like you working it out, not with a blanket, like sit here, let me read my monologue, no questions, please. 
But like, let's work this stuff out together. Let's talk about what's going on in the world right now together. Let's figure out what it means to follow Jesus together. Let's learn how to get grace and forgiveness together. Let's learn how to say, I'm sorry, together. That's what leadership looks like. So it's simple steps that are taken every day. How do I become a better father? How do I become a better leader with impact in my life? The task is huge. If we try to do it all in one step, it's impossible. There's no silver bullet to figure it all out. But the life in following Jesus is a life of process of discipleship in him growing in relationship. Fix a point, simply do small things today, not tomorrow. That's the funny thing. The weeks go so fast. And it's like, oh, I'll just do that tomorrow. Oh, I'll just do that tomorrow. Then all of a sudden you're like backloaded on Friday. Like just like, oh, no one could do all this. You're like, well, because should have done it on Tuesday when you first thought of that, you know? But the idea is no, it's not tomorrow, but today. What do I do today to implement this in my life? Now, the cool thing is about taking small steps is before you know it, you're taking bigger steps, right? You know this if you've worked out. You're like, I want to be able to do 10 push-ups. And you start with doing the knee push-ups or something, right? And you go, oh, this is so hard. And the next thing you know, that's not hard. Now you can do 10 real push-ups, potentially, if you're not injured or whatever, right? And then the next thing you know, you go, 10 is actually super easy. Let's do 20. You go, wow, I did 20. I wonder if I could do like two sets of 20. You know, oh, I wonder if I could do three. Wow, okay, how about, what if I could do, what if I did four sets of 50? And all of a sudden you're like, where did, how did you get there? By doing 10 knee push-ups. So the idea is that it builds upon itself. It's building a foundation. As you, it's just like prayer time. At first you spend time in prayer and it might be short or you spend time reading the word. It might be short. Next thing you know, you can't get enough of it. Because you become, the more that we get of the Lord, the more we want of him. It's the only like inexhaustible thing in our life that doesn't like leave us like bummed out. It like, the more you get, the more you gain. I received that. Thank you, Lord. No. <laughs> At that note, we'll have a second offering um, or a first. Um, so we fix a point. And we simply do small things every day to get there. Walk around the block and pray. Have a, one conversation where you try to enter into the world of your child, their world, not yours. Don't, don't, without mocking the generation that they had no choice of being born into, by the way. But finding out what's valuable to them and meeting them and with real questions and real answers. You know what's wild? Uh, last week we went, we did a late, late night. It was my birthday. So we did a late night, uh, Dave's hot chicken run. Cause Cannon said, you're, you, you're boring, dad. Like you, you know what? Adult birthdays are so boring. You guys don't do anything. What? Cause yeah, his birthday was a week before and it was nonstop fun. This from the very beginning, it was like, he had the whole thing planned out and he never wanted it to end. And he was like high on life, you know, afterwards and like a milkshake from in and out you know 
And he's like, dad, you're so boring. I said, all right, you want boring? Let's go. We're going to Orange County and we're getting Dave's hot chicken right now. And it was like nine o'clock. So we got in the car and we took off and, and uh, I made him eat some of my extra hot to show him dad's not that boring after, after all. Then he was trying to find the water just in case, you know, I just was a little thirsty, but not because it's too hot. God bless him. But on the way back, it was interesting because on a couple days before I was talking with him, on the way back, all three kids started bringing up some insanely good questions. <laughs> and they, they had real like God questions. And I was like, we were just like loving it. We're like, let's tap into this. This is, this is it. This is where they're at. They're, we're like getting a, a glimpse of their soul. Enter into the world of your children. And if you don't have kids or they're full grown or whatever, enter, still enter, enter into people that you have influence in their life or don't. Best way to do that is, is a lot of times ask questions, you know, and, and start pointing to something. I heard this apologist and she, was, she says when, you, uh, um, when you're talking with like, Different, different people group, a lot of time, or different like religions, a lot of times you have to uh, show them what they really believe first before you can show them Jesus in a sense. Like you have to like show them that they do not believe the same Jesus. Like you have to show them that that's what, you have to like ask enough questions to show them that, whoa, that, we believe that? And, and bring it up and then you go, well, no, but here's where, it's really, here's where it really is. But this comes from conversations. So fix a point, do small things to get there. Um, there was this really helpful thing, uh, and it's known, it's like a leadership thing, and I thought this was really good, especially for those of you raising kids, especially on the younger end. Um, and it's the way of teaching. Um, and I struggle with this, to be honest, and I'm convicted by it every time I see it. When your kid is trying to learn how to do something, this is how you do it, right? This is the best way. And this is, this is a lot of how we uh, even teach them especially how we teach them how to follow Jesus. I do, you watch, we talk. You lead, that's you. I do, you watch. You don't do it at all, them, that's them. You watch, we talk. The next step, I do, you help, we talk. They now have a part of it. And you know what, you know kids light up when they have a part of it? You know what's so cool is like all our youth kids that are learning music, they like love it. It's so cool because they're actually going to be able to part, play part of the band. They get one note right. It's amazing. Or one chord. Or, and then as we go on, it like becomes like, dude, we're actually playing. I stepped off the stage. They were all playing together. Awesome. I do you watch, we talk. I do you help, we talk. You do, I help, we talk. So now you're doing it. You're learning how to do it. I help. So I, I show you, oh yeah, okay. I used to think that too. Let me help you out with that. Let me show you the way. Then we talk. You do, I watch, you talk. This is, this, if you're training anyone, this is like the best way to train them, right? And then lastly, you do, someone else watches. That's the process of discipleship. Now you've become the teacher, right? You are being discipled. Now you're discipling somebody else and it's passed on to the next generation. First Corinthians 11.1 1 says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. And again, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Those with leaders or those with influence are commissioned, which is their ministry, to be disciples that make disciples. That's the fruit. This is what leaders do. 
leaders are commissioned into ministry to be disciples that make disciples. Guys, at the end of the day, uh, I think we put a bigger burden on ourselves in the sense of like, we think we have to carry this alone. All, it, it really boils down to know Jesus, walk with Jesus, follow Jesus, and bring him with you. You know, know what he values. Learn how to serve. If you serve your family, you'll have kids that understand what serving looks like because you'll have an example of it. Serve your family, serve them well. And knowing his, his mission in obedience to the Father, like that's important. Jesus' mission in obedience to the Father. Jesus understood who he was and why he was here. As a leader, I must know who I am and why I'm here. If I'm to see any practical fruit in my life, I need to know what I'm here for and why I'm here. And where does fruit come from? From a living relationship abiding in the vine. That's what your kids want to see. They don't need to see every other thing. They don't need every little thing to make their life as full as possible so they don't ever have to think about anything. They just need to see someone following Jesus and then give them a pathway how to get there. So God wants us, he, he, he's called us all to a place of influence. Men, he's called you to an insanely important role. And you might have a million failures behind you. Who cares? Get up today and do it today. Small step. Serve. Love your family. Show them what, that you really do love Jesus and you do trust him. And tell them the stuff you're praying about so they can be a part of that and they can see miracles with you. Tell them what you're reading. <laughs> like give them insights. Bring them in on the conversation like you would other people, you know. And they will eat it up. Because leadership is important. Leadership is an influence. Leadership is service. Leadership is built. It's not formed. It's, it's not something that's just formed. It's built. Building blocks. And it's spirit-led. Only God can really make any changes in our lives. But that's what leadership is. We're just following Jesus. It's spirit-led. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us in person, head over to steadfastcarlsbad.com for more info. God bless.